So we're going to go into the parable of the beekeeper and what we do. So where do we start? Okay. The very first thing that I'm going to tell you as a beekeeper to a beekeeper is to join a local beekeeper club. In all honesty, you're going to find the most information from the people that are keeping bees right around you, and most of them are going to be involved in a club. Then you end up actually getting a mentor out of it. Somebody that you can say, hey, this is going on in my hive. How do I deal with this? What do I need to do? How can I solve this? They're going to go, oh, I've experienced that, and this is how I fixed that. You're not going to get that from me standing up here from Florida if you're in Canada. You know, I can tell you what I would do in your situation, but I don't know if it's going to work. The guy down the street is likely going to be the one that's going to know what's going to work for you. Um, this is my wife, and this is one of our hives, one of the first hives that we brought up to our property. And it's not in the best of locations. That's not where our bees are kept any longer. When I first put them out, my initial thought was, is, oh, I have this hole in the woods. So I'm going to put this, take and put all my bees in this hole in the woods so that nobody sees them. Bees want to be out in the wide open. Your best place for them is in an open field. The, the shade can create all sorts of havoc on your hives. Um, the bee suit, which for me now, this is my bee suit. I go out basically dressed like this and I put my jacket on and then my hood over the top. And that's what I do. I will say that if you're going to buy a beehive and you want to get, or if you want to buy a bee suit and you want to get involved in bees, my personal suggestion from experience, many things, is you see how this hat that she's wearing has a rim on it all the way around? I would recommend having a hat that does that for the reason of the likelihood is very small that you're going to get stung with, because see, it, it attaches down here. This isn't, this isn't a, the best example, but it will zip onto your shirt and it will keep the bees from coming close to your ears, the back of your neck, stuff like that. And so my recommendation would be to get the style that does have uh, the rim. And I would also now strongly recommend what's called a ventilated suit, which I believe they sell there. They're not cheap, but I can tell you compared to this on a summer day, after you get through, when you got 15 hives that you're going through, or even two hives, after you get through the first one, it's pretty hot. It's pretty hot. I mean, I'm sweating just being here right now. And, you know, this is a general startup kit right here, for example. You've got your smoker. This is a feeder. Not the best type of a feeder, because if you put it right in the entrance, you can end up having what's called robbing happening where the bees will literally come into that hive, eat, and fly away. 
that's not an ideal situation, but they do work. The queen excluder, you've got you know your tools, your smoke, your smoker, your your three boxes. This has got this is basically the the taller box like this one over here. They classify that as a deep. The next one down, which is actually this height. So this is a deep. This one is a considered a medium. And then they actually have one that's only that tall, which would come in handy if you were doing bee removals <laughs> out of somebody's house. But I don't think you want to go there. Um, but that's and there's kits like this in the in the magazine that I passed out while we were waiting. Again, this is a this is a suit with the cover. This one is a ventilated suit. And if you look close, well, you might not, I don't know if you can tell it from there, but it's almost like a plastic mesh material. I don't know how it's gonna wash up yet because I finally bought one for myself um, that I got a few weeks ago and I haven't even taken it out of the package yet. Um, I'm still using this one right now but I'm kind of looking forward to using it. This is kind of a, can you see better the material here now? Okay, you can see how much air that will let through. It's like, almost like the difference probably of wearing shorts versus a pair of jeans when it's 100 degrees outside. You know, that's what I'm expecting anyway. <laughs> the best fuel for your smoker is actually pine needles. Just about everybody in the industry, you know, they sell these pellets. You buy five pound bags of pellets and stuff. Very few people I know use pellets. And I can tell you getting the pellets to light and stay lit and smoke there, unless you spend a lot of money buying real expensive pellets, you're gonna frustrate yourself. Pine needles tends to work really, really, really well. So the next question people would have is what type of hive is the best, okay? Should I go with this, that, the other? Here's a couple, this is only two different hives. This is the flow hive. This is actually what's called a top bar hive. Now that top bar hive is out on my property. It's all painted up. It's, you know, made to look pretty and just for fun. Because I had, we, um, with, I'm a member of the Volusia County Beekeepers and we have a show that we do every year and I took the top bar hive out there. This hive, for example, is 42 inches long from here to here, and then it has the lid on it. Um, and instead of it having frames like this, it just has a single strip of wood with a single strip of plastic as a guide, and that's it. Everything else, the bees do. And it looks like this inside. Actually, this is the hive now. That's what it looks like painted. That's before I painted it. But you can see it's got all of these pieces on it. And the very back piece here is actually kind of a solid board. The reason they do it that way is let's say you have a small hive and you only need four or five of these. So what you would do is you would move that board right all the way up here so that there's only four or five frames that those beads need to protect. Once they start filling that out, then you add another one in and you add another one in and you just keep moving that board all the way back until they fill that entire box. That is 
a real popular good way to do it because if you were to take and have this box right here filled with bees and you put another box on top of it then they'd be able to defend it but if there was only half full and you had too high then you'd have a problem yes okay okay so I'll tell you what why don't we pause right here for a second while he, they're doing that and if you want we'll talk about a, some of this stuff and I'll show you some of this stuff while the when the lights go out and the fans go off unfortunately so that way we don't we won't fall behind um it's I think it should be okay because that like it's on there the projector would be the that'll yeah they're probably already uh. so I'll show you a few things that I've got here and actually haha you know what I'm gonna do while this is while this is happening I'm going to because there's two pictures that I put on my flash drive or on my computer that I built into this program that I'd kind of like you to see intentionally. So what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna go ahead and hook this in here and I might recopy it while this is happening, if I can. Give me just a second. Let me get this copied over or started copying over and then um, then I'll show you some of the stuff here. So yeah, we're definitely experiencing Computer 101 today. <coughs> now, how many people in here have already been keeping bees? Anybody? Got a couple? I tried it last year. Tried it last year? And I'm guessing that you felt that it didn't wasn't working too well or that can happen that can happen unfortunately carpenter answer can be really bad on it so um, and you you how many how many hives do you have, have 35. 35 why are you up here instead why aren't you up here instead of me Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 I'll tell you. Um, just recently, and and I'll talk about it in a little bit. But just recently, people are starting to realize that a lot of the chemicals that we're using, because you look at the bee decline, versus when we started using various chemicals in this world. Yeah, and there was, was it you? Somebody over here had their hand up too, that they had hives. How many do you have? I don't have any. Uh, Not now? Seven. Seven, okay. All right, let me see while they're done, because this is now. Oh, really? Yeah, and I'll tell you, I, let, me, let me throw this in here while I'm thinking about it. Um, let me go to, I'm going to shut this down. I'm going to pull this out. I'm going to go ahead and try to reload 
my presentation on here. So remember, we're at the top bar hive. Um, but um, haha, my Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's, or whatever you want to call it, is kicking in my old age. I was starting to say something, and it lost me. Because I was going to, I said I was going to throw something in here right now while I'm thinking about it. See what happens. No, no, but that did spark it. Thank you. Um, one of the things, one of the things that tends to happen, people are finally starting to realize that uh, some of the issues that we're having with hives, people have been starting to say, oh, well, I guess I can understand now why it's happening. And I've been saying for a few years now that I think a lot of it has to do with chemicals that we're using. And without a doubt, um, there's a lot of chemicals that we're using that, you know, they, they are, um, this colony collapse disorder, there's been so many things that people have been using that literally are just killing things off and we're not even realizing it. Um, and just by uh, my own hives in a matter of days dying so quickly, so easily, I was pretty convinced then. And now I'm finding that a lot of these old time beekeepers or high up beekeeping people that have been doing it for years longer than I have and have far more influence than I would ever have are starting to say the same thing. And one of them just recently put out a video about it and I made the comment to him. I said, oh, sounds like you were talking to me because <laughs> he's a friend of mine that lives down the road, but he's on the national um, bee association or bee federation or something like that that they call it so he has far more influence than I ever would okay I think um, it's basically just talking about how what we've been doing to the bees is basically causing a lot of the tr trouble that we're having with bees um, let's see Okay. Huh, I lost that presentation. I didn't lose the presentation. I just lost the preview I had. But I can at least see what we've got going here. So I'm going to get us to the right frame. Oh, you must be an Apple guy. Because <laughs> then we are actually, well, when we plug it back in, it'll probably kick in right. Um, I do not sell hives. I have people that I can refer people to, but of course this is, this is Florida. In my area, I'd say go to Jesse Asim. Um, he came, he's actually a guy that I get our hives from. And uh, 
their first the first hives. I don't have to get them from them anymore, at least not at this point, unless I wanted to have a whole bunch more hives than what I really need. But um, he will sell you what's called a nook box. My suggestion to anybody starting in bees is instead of going out to try to catch a feral colony, especially once you get south of, let's say, Georgia. If you're talking Georgia and then south, you couldn't? Okay, that's all right. We've got it, so once we have the, the power, we're going to be in the right place. Um, there's too much risk, I feel, for a person to have to deal with what would be considered Africanized bees. You don't want to deal with Africanized bees. They, they will tear you up, there's no doubt. Um, I don't think it's as bad as people say, but who wants to get stung? I mean, you know, is anybody going, oh, please sting me? No, you know, there's, it's kind of like with me and needles, I will do just about anything to avoid a needle. I actually, at one point in my life, had a um, root canal done without Novocaine because the needles. <laughs> I just don't like needles. But yet, I've gotten stung so many times, you would think it wouldn't bother me so much anymore, but I still don't like needles. What can I say? You know, so your best bet of a bee staying in the box is going to come from having a split from an existing colony that's been kept in a box. Because when you have a feral hive out in a tree somewhere in a person's house, or especially like some of the pictures, if we can get to there, some of the pictures where they're in a water meter, things like that. Once you're talking about maybe, well, probably about this far down, the likelihood of it being an Africa, Africanized hive is far greater than six feet and above. And once you get over 10 foot, then you pretty much know it's not. But keeping them in a box might not work. And I will tell you that going out as a person that I have collected tons of feral colonies, keeping them in the box afterwards can be a challenge. And if you start with some that were raised that way, they're not going to be as likely to take off on you. And, you know, if you're going to invest in all this stuff, you may as well invest in it knowing that you're going to have something that's going to stay. <coughs> that said, minus the box, a nook, which is basically like this bottom box here, it's not the box itself, but the five frames of bees. Some of it's going to be, there's usually one or two of honey. There's usually three of brood. You're going to spend, depending on where you buy it from, anywhere from 150 to 175-ish dollars usually. But it's going to be an investment that's going to help you down the line. And that's going to be a set that you know, if you buy it from somebody reputable, you know you're going to be able to take that when it fills out. 20 frames, you can split it 
and take five frames out of this box, put five empty frames back in that box, and you can have a second hive. And that's a way to build up your colonies. Yeah. You don't need the queen. You, well, there's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of like, and, and I was going to bring this up, but we'll talk about it now while we're waiting. The queen is technically, in a sense, the most important bee in the colony, but it's not. It is, if there's no brood, if there's no eggs, but if you have eggs or larvae that are up to, I think it's three days old, they will make a queen. So, for example, this top frame, I don't know how many of you guys might have been here when I, was, when I got here, but I said this top frame I put in here for a reason. I put this one up here to show you what it, you have to have for a, for a new colony to be created. Okay, In this, there's eggs. I can't remember if it's this side or this side. The capped stuff, that's, they're not going to make a queen out of that. It's already capped. That means it's already at about 20-something uh, days. So that's, that's just going to be a worker bee. But if you look right here, you see these cells that are larger? You guys can come on up while we're, if you want, and look around and stuff. But those cells that are larger, those are the drones. That's a bigger bee. It's not as big as the queen, but it's a bigger bee. Big, it's probably as big around, but it's, you know, the length of a worker. But the eggs, they can make a queen out of or a worker out of. And it's a matter of what they feed it as to what it will become. So your most important thing in the hive is probably more the egg or the larva than it is the queen. So, <laughs> you know, so yes, the queen is extremely important. You, you're going to have one in there. Your drone, once they're done with their purpose, they're gone. And, you know, once they, if they have a queen in here that's a good queen and the season, the springtime has passed, a lot of those are going to get killed. And they'll just take them off and they're gone. You know, they won't let them back in, so on and so on and so on. Because um, the drones, all they're going to do is eat honey. It's, it's not unusual to see as few as zero, but as many as four or five drone in a hive. When you start getting a lot more than that, that's when I start looking even closer. Because when you start getting to like 20, then you go, okay, do I have a laying worker in here and the queen's dead? And I didn't catch it. And the easiest way to know that is if you've got multiple eggs in a single cell. Because a queen is going to lay one egg in the middle of the cell. And a worker... When it starts laying, there'll be eggs like all over. They might not always be all the way to the bottom of the cell. And then everything that comes up is going to be a drone. And then you're going to end up having a hive that just by default it's going to die off because there's nobody doing any work. So you don't want to You don't want, you do not want a worker laying egg, correct? Because it would be an infertile egg every time. And when that happens, it can be a difficult thing to recover from because a laying worker is a situation that um, when you go to put a new queen in there, they'll start to kill her. Um, one thing that, and I'll show you this, this is actually what's called a queen cage. 
So if you were to, if you had a hive, or if you were, if let's say you set up a hive and you ordered a box of bees rather than getting a nook box. Nook box is honestly going to be the easiest way to go and the best way to start. That's, that's going to be five frames like this that are already, that are already going. They have everything here. You've got some that are honey, some that are, you know, some that are just not as full as others. That's going to be your easiest thing to start with. But let's say you decide, okay, I want to buy, I want to have a top bar hive. Okay. Like the picture we were just showing, you're not going to get this or a nook box as a top bar. The only way you're going to go into a top bar is buying a box of packaged bees and they literally ship them in the mail. Then you go to the post office and pick them up because the workers don't want to touch the box. <laughs> and you bring them home and you turn them loose inside of, the, inside of the top bar hive. And it's like three pounds of bees and then the queen in a box like this. By the time you get those, they're gonna be acclimated to her. If, you ha if I had a queen that needed to be replaced, if your hive's becoming very aggressive when you work on them, you're going to probably want to be re thinking about replacing your queen. Unless you want the extra productivity that you sometimes get from that, but are willing to tolerate how they might act at you sometimes. It's kind of a balance act. But let's say you need a new queen. The queen is in here. She's got a screen across that protects her. She's usually got a few workers. This is, depending on the type of bee you buy or type of queen you buy, you're going to be spending anywhere from $20 up to about $70, $80 for the, a single queen. Normal is around $35. Um, you know, you would basically put this, there's a piece of candy on the end. If you might want to take like a drill or a toothpick, not with power, but just with your fingers. Just put a little bit of a hole in that. Just be careful to make sure the queen is over here when you put a hole in that. That will make it so that it'll be easier for them to let her loose. They'll chew the candy away. You literally just put that in here like this between two frames, sandwich it in, something like that. And they'll, after they decide that they're gonna accept her, they'll chew away the candy and let her loose. If they're sitting there, you're, when, you, when she gets first in there, if, if it's a laying worker scenario, if you're dealing with a hive like this, I would suggest getting a nook, a second nook, maybe putting some paper between the two sections and putting it on top and waiting until they all acclimate to each other. Um, reason being, they could turn around and go right after the queen and kill her and then you've lost your queen. So sometimes I have seen them where they're trying to sting her initially, but then by the next day they've accepted her. So it's, it's kind of a balance act. And if you talk to a beekeeper and then another beekeeper and another beekeeper, let's say you talk to five of them, you're going to get seven different suggestions. That's just the way it is. And some of it will be based on the time of year, what's going on in your hive, what you're dealing with, you know, what's in the area. 
There's so many factors and the easiest is to bounce it off of somebody that's literally in your local area. Um, one of the things we still, it looks like they're still all over there. One of the things that, um, that I have set up for anybody that's interested is because of this conference, I set up a thing called SDA Beekeepers on Facebook. Um, so if you, I'm the administrator of it at the moment, but if you send a notification that you want to join, it just says to let me know what church you belong to. And there was one other question. I don't even remember what it is. Just to make sure that we're not getting a whole bunch of baloney in there of people trying to attack the Seventh-day Adventist Church and so on and so forth. Um, but anyway, that's something I set up so that we can communicate. Um, and my card is up here too so that we can have information that can go back and forth and around. Um, that will work. My suggestion on that would be like I did with the one that was way up in the air. I would personally, myself, cut off the branch and I would put that whole thing in such a way that I can get it away and deal with it because you don't want to leave all of that behind because a couple things are going to happen. You're going to have pests that are going to go after it. You're going to have other bees that are going to go after it. And they're going to keep coming back. Um, even just leaving, when I, when I do a removal out of a tree, I strongly suggest to the homeowner, if they don't want to, if a branch is too big or if it's in the middle of a trunk or something like that, seal it off because they're going to go back. Any bees are going to come back for years because the queen's been there. So if the queen's been there before her scent is left on that branch and in that comb, and they're going to just keep coming back. And there was somebody, go ahead. Yes, um, the, a flow hive, the only difference is actually in the top part. And in this, if we get there, I do have a video clip that shows how it works. Um, there's really no difference between a flow hive and a traditional Langstroth hive. It's the same box, the same thing, the same size, the same everything. The only difference is, is in the top chambers, instead of it being honey that you need to scrape and, and extract, it has a chamber that you can s stick a rod down and split and it will go like this and it will allow the honey to flow down to the bottom and out the back in a tube. That's really the difference. It saves, it, it doesn't, it's not a quick process, no, but, but it's also, it you don't have to, like on the cover of the magazine, um, You'll see this, this is an extractor. Um, we'll cover some of this stuff maybe now, and that way when we have power, if we get to those slides, we'll just scroll through them a little bit quicker. But this is an extractor. You stick the honeycomb in these things. Depending on the type, you would, let me get to the right frame here. I think it's on the end, yeah. You would scrape all this wax capping off and when you take all this wax capping off of both sides depending on the type that you have you either put it in with the middle of it being here you would put it in like this or like this depending on the type that you've got and then it spins it around really fast 
So all the honey flies out and hits the sidewalls, runs down the sidewalls, across the bottom, and out a tube in the bottom. The whole time it's doing that, you're actually oxidizing the honey. So by the time you get it out, you will have foam that you're dealing with. Not just a little bit, we're talking foam. And it's because of all the oxidizing that's going on all the way through. Um, so you'll actually notice if you come by the booth and you want to buy some honey, I have some honey from a friend of mine right over down here in Branford that is across the road from a nursery. So it's got a very interesting flavor to it. And I think it's because of his persimmons, but I could be wrong. But um, it still has some foam on top of it. He spun it Friday and put it in a five gallon bucket and I bottled it up Monday and it still has foam on it. The foam is just, it's just air bubbles around honey so it's gonna pop and it's basically honey but it just doesn't look as good. And it's kind of like one of those things where you scrape it off and you do this and you do that but you still have foam in it because of all the extra bubbling that happens. Um, another route that you can do is you can scrape this off, top, front, both sides. You can actually turn your comb upside down and let it drip out and into a container. And this is probably the bulk of what I, I personally do with this type of a frame myself. I actually do not own an extractor. I have enough hives that people would be like, why in the world don't you have one of those? And I just don't want to do my honey that way myself. And so you, you can actually turn it upside down. It'll take a few days to get it all pretty much out, but it will go. You just don't want to warm it. That's the main thing. I use, yeah, I use a tub similar, similar to what I've got over there. I've been working on designing something, but I just haven't made it yet because I just don't have the equipment to make that stuff yet. But I've already got it how I want to do it, um, where I can literally just line them up and let it drip out. But yeah. So the flow hive, you don't have to do that? No. The flow hive, and I'll show you it running if we can. If not, I can show, you, show it to you if the power doesn't resolve itself. Oh, are they? Okay. Um, but yeah, the flow hive eliminates the need for the extractor and it eliminates the need for, you know, this other type of method. But don't get me wrong, a lot of people have given flow hive a bad rap and a lot of it is because it makes you think people are going to be lazy. I can tell you, you have to do the same stuff with a flow hive that you have to do with any other hive. The only difference is how you extract it. And extracting it for the person that's going to have one or two hives, and that's all they ever want, it works fa fantastic. I can tell you that. And I can tell you, I have gotten my first year entering into a honey show, I entered two days after I harvested my honey. It's like unheard of. Because, I mean, you'll, you know, 
How many air bubbles you expect to have in that stuff, right? And it wasn't because of air bubbles. I was in first place. And there were two other people entered into the competition and they were trying to decide which one it would end up being. So they had to find an imperfection in one versus another to decide who was gonna have the best in show and who was gonna have first place. One of the people that were helping in the show that year took the bottles and they, you had to have three one pound bottles and they said, oh, here. And all of the honey went up and touched the lid. You're not allowed to have any honey on the lid. So that year I went from first place to third. But the guy that was helping the judge that got first place and best of show was like, I had, there was no competition. You had that. And he said, he said, your honey, he says, when I looked at it, it was so clean and so clear. There was no way that I would have won. And it was only because that had happened. The next year, I got second because I missed a piece of dust on one jar. <laughs> so this last year, I was super, super careful, but I also gave it about three weeks to settle before taking it in. And I ended up with best of show, um, best in class and black jar first place, which black jar, they it's purely all by taste. Um, but it was actually a Welsh honey judge that was judging these, these three events. And you know, I'm like, okay, so at least I know I can do it. But it was with honey that I was doing either with the flow hive that first year or by in the second year or by doing just this where I scraped it and let it drip. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah, because I'm going to turn the hive upside down, but I will not do it if it's not completely capped. I just won't even consider doing it. Yeah. I don't know. I've never used a flow hive. Uh-huh. You actually, there's people that have been having problems getting their bees to start in them. Um, over the last few years, that's been a common thing. But I found when I'm using them, they're using them and they're filling them. And right now, it, it takes a little bit longer for them to get started in it. But once they start in it, it's... I mean, they mine filled up mine the first year I had bees. Mine filled up mine, and I harvested them. Um, then I went back and had to harvest them again two weeks later and had to harvest them again two weeks after that. The first year? The first year. Yeah, and that's unusual. But it also was hundreds and thousands of acres of peanuts around me, too. So, yeah. Some of it would be based on your climate. Um, up north, there is bees that are better suited for colder climates. Um, there's a Russian bee um, that's supposed to be really good for cold climates. 
Down here, we often go with an Italian bee. Uh, that tends to be a more consistent laying bee. So just as you go along, it's just going to constantly be going and producing. Yeah. I know. That's okay. That's fine. I'm wondering if we should go ahead and take a, let everybody go outside for a little bit. And I don't know if I'd say it's cooler out there or not. It might be. Okay. So why don't we go ahead and, and go out and cool off if we need to for a little bit. Yes. In our bee club, we have a, the youngest member is eight years old. And he's been a member for one or two years. So, yeah. Yeah. No, no, he, ha he has, like, he does nook boxes so that it's easier for him to move. But, yeah. His, he has his mom help him sometimes with some of, they have a couple of larger hives. But, yeah. I mean, they can do it. And, you know, you'll see they, you, at the Dent, this company, they even have little teeny tiny bee suits. You know, I've never bought one, but I haven't had a need to. I don't have any little grandkids, so, <laughs> yeah. Is there, like, a certain time of year that's bad to split the Yes, um, yes and no. Usually the spring, um, depending on your climate, sometimes in the fall as well. Like here, we usually early in the spring, um, maybe about another month. And then again, probably around uh, October is a pretty normal occurrence for here. So you, when you do that, you want to find the queen, leave her, and just take Either way. The, it, it won't, as long as you leave eggs behind in, and you have eggs in both hives, you'll be fine. And what will happen is... You know, yes, these bees will naturally say, oh, this is my hive. I'm going to go in here. And you'll have foragers that are out, okay? Those foragers are going to come back, and they're going to likely go into whatever hive is still sitting where it was because it'll still have that queen scent in both hives. So you might have some that may go into the wrong one, but they all balance, will end up balancing out, and you'll end up with the two hives. And they'll make a new queen, or you could get a new queen, but leave it for probably 24-ish hours before putting a queen in it, new queen in it, if you're going to do that, so that they can be used to the fact and go, oh, we don't have a queen, we need to make one before you put one in. Correct, correct. And what I'll usually do, um, like sometimes you'll find a swarm cell down at the bottom, and if it's that, if you're seeing a swarm cell, that's telling you they're getting ready to split on their own. So cut out that swarm cell. And I'll usually just kind of like take my lighter and heat far enough away from it that it won't cook her or anything. And I'll get it hot and melt it onto the top. Because if I were to melt it and attach it up here, then they'll think it's a superseding queen instead of a swarming queen. A swarming queen will build down here. A superseding queen will build up here or in the middle. So if I attach it up here, then that's going to go, oh, we're making a queen. I mean, it's just kind of little tricks that you 
that you do and work with the way they are. It, it, they're incredible little creatures. They really are, you know. Um, and it isn't, just so you know, honey is not bee poop. People do call it that. It is bee spit. Technically, it's not even that. But uh, technically, that's what it, you know, they, they pass it back and forth. And that's how they thin it out before they put it into the cells. And then they use their wings, basically, and just dry it out the rest of the way. So, yeah. <laughs> In the book, there wasn't measurements? Okay, if you go online and look up the term for bee boxes, you'll find it. Because there's a lot, yeah, there's a lot of people that make their own. Yeah, so far I haven't bothered to make my own. But this is the way I usually get them. And this is why the, you know, you can buy them pretty easily. When I get them, this is how they come. And, you know, and truthfully, you can also buy them with all the frames on Amazon or Tractor Supply for about the same price as it's going to take you to buy them like this, put them together, and, um, and buy the, the frames. The frames are about $3.60 a piece. And this is about, this one is the commercial one. So it's only about $17, you know, and you kind of go, well, you know, is it worth it for $17 to make it or just buy it like this? And I kind of have gone, <laughs> so, so far I just haven't bothered to take the time to make any because I figured, you know, I can get them like that. The ones that you buy from, um, Amazon and Tractor Supply, often you can get them with a primer coat already on it. You don't want to paint the inside, only the outside. You know, you want to leave the inside natural wood. Um, my first actual flow hive that I put together, I made the mistake of uh, oiling the inside and the outside, and they forgave me, and they built anyway. Is, so. is, uh, But you probably want to avoid real dark colors mm -hmm. just because it'll heat it up. Oh, okay. um, you know, I mean, granted, if you're in Alaska, yeah. you know, hey, you might want to go with a little bit darker color than you do down here. I have a couple bee boxes that my daughter's painted where, and she used like a, a dark pink, almost reddish and purple. And I'm like, oh no, I can't put that in the, out in the middle of the field. Why'd you use those colors? But I thought, you know what? I know how I can resolve this because they painted all the way around. So I just took and spun it around and put it where that side was next to another hive, the same height. So <laughs> then she sees her color out there. <laughs> yeah. I, I experimented with making my own hive, but for me it wasn't worth it. No. No, I mean, it is, it is quite a bit of work. And there's some people that do the, the actual butterfly joints and, but, yeah. Inside. Yes. And I tried doing that, and then I tried to make them out some on the outside, but then when you stack them, yeah. they don't fit right. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. So you kind of have to balance, balance it all out. I mean, you can, and you can buy an entire hive kit for as little as like $200. It's got everything in it you need. 
I mean, you can't make it for that. And then you spend about another $150 on the bees. So in the range of $350, you could get started with a standard hive. And that's not bad. Now the flow hive system, you're looking at probably just right around seven. Um, but no, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that's, it, there's areas that you just kind of have to balance it out as they, you know, but definitely if you're going to get into it, go with the hive that's in existing and get to get started. After you've been doing it a while, then maybe think about, oh, this person has these, let me see if I can help them. But you don't want to make that your main hives. So, yeah. Yes, it's you still have to inspect it. You still have to pick the combs up. You still have to check and make sure no diseases. Um, you know, it's it's all the same work. You know, um, one of the concepts everybody had, and I actually did a program about that type of the flow hives at my home uh, for the bee society years ago, or not years ago, but last year, and. Um, people had a lot of misunderstandings and assumptions about this stuff. And then they realized when it actually came down to it, what it involved. And they're like, oh, well, this makes sense now. Because all they went by was what they heard from everyone else. No one had ever touched one of them. And here I had three of them sitting right there in front of them for them to look at, to look at the competitor version that was so much heavier, to look at this, look at that. And I could show them the benefits of one versus the other. And then they were like, oh, this makes a lot more sense now. And it's not that particular thing is not something that's going to take over commercial beekeeping. I don't see that happening. I see it just for like a person that might want a, a hive or two um, and don't want to invest in a bunch of other stuff with it. But even that dollar for dollar, you can go with a standard hive. Yeah. Um, well, out of two hives alone, three years ago, I had probably somewhere around seven or eight gallons, roughly. Yeah, in that year. But those were the bees that went and foraged in the guy's field and killed in five days. So they were gone, yeah. What I was thinking about, about the flow, uh -huh. uh, I don't know how you keep, I don't know, I've never seen one. Mm -hmm. How do you keep the bird bees all around from blowing even that one that's blowing in there? It's gotta be it's, it's on the back side of the hive. You know, all of the bees are all in the front and this is sealed off and you're, in, you're working in the back and they actually don't know what's happening until it's happened. Um, it's, it might be 20 minutes of frame, roughly, to empty it out. And you can do more than one at a time. Um, but again, my personal opinion is I will never take more than 50% regardless. That's just, that's just the way I do it. Because I figure there has to be a line where you go, 
you know, because I'm doing this more for my bees to be able to pollinate and take care of my orchard than I'm doing it to get honey. I just look at it and say, okay, occasionally I'm going to get some honey as a benefit. You can. You can drain out the whole frame. You can drain out a small portion, a whole a center. It doesn't matter as long as you leave half and drain like but you have six frames. If I usually, yeah, if I do six frames, if I have six frames and we're in flow season, I might harvest three and leave the other three. But if we've got, you know, six frames and we're going into winter, then maybe I'll harvest one, but I will never do more than 50%. And it, a lot of it will depend on what the situation and the scenario is currently. Okay, so we've got that. Pardon? Yes, because um, they, their competitor, which was called Tapcomb, um, I was showing the people that came over the difference in the weight of these things. The tapcomb system is built rugged and, and won't separate as easy as a flow hive would, but it is probably three times the weight just for the unit itself. So when you fill that with honey and you go to move that to go check your, your brood box, you're talking a two-man job. Um, just because they're using a plastic wood, you know how heavy that is, and they're using a lot of uh, metal in there as well, like stainless steel plating and stuff like that, which is good because it keeps it together, but bad because it makes it much, much heavier. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.